Alright, so we're continuing uh, in our series on Ephesians. A few weeks back now, it was the first week we talked about the interesting thing about religion being God, that it's not us, even though we have the tendency of the church to try to make it about us. The interesting thing about religion is God, that the creator of all that is wants to be in relationship with us. And what the next week we talked about the miracle of being included. That when you think about this awesome God of ours and how magnificent and majestic and powerful he is, that he would include us in a plan to be with him forever is an amazing thing. And conversely, just like he includes us, we are to include others who come, no matter what their background or where they come from, and trust that God will work with them on a path uh, towards holiness and towards living a life that seeks after him. And last week, talked about becoming a grounded person. Really, it was more about humility, that it's through humility that we're able to to embrace who God is, and when we humble ourselves before Him, then it gives Him more to work with, because it removes our arrogant, our tendency to be arrogant, and our tendency to think that we know as we submit to, to Him. This week, we're going to be talking about a mature church. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and in fact, as you know, sometimes I like to let Scripture deliver a message. We're going to do quite a bit of that today. We're going to read it the we're going to utilize all of Ephesians 4. It's difficult to pull out and, and accomplish um, what I would like to today. Although, I, let, let me get to this, tell, you, tell you it this way. A couple of years ago, I think I, I used verses 4 and 5 and did 7 weeks on just verses 4 and 5. There's a lot in Ephesians 4. So we're not going to be able to go super deep into it, but there's some things here that we need to grab hold of if we're going to become a mature church that we're called to be. So this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Did you know that you're called? Each of you has a calling in your life. Everybody who, who accepts Christ as their Savior has a calling that God has something for you within the body of Christ. It's one of the reasons why we... We push so much for everyone to come as often as possible because when you're not here, there's, when we're not active, not just in the, in the Sunday morning church, but in the church as in the community, there's a piece missing. And there are men and women and kids and, and adults and all over the place that need what you bring to the table as the body of Christ. He called me to be up here. He doesn't call everybody to be up here. But he's called each of us to be active and engaged in our life for Him. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, you're going to notice a word here that comes up quite a bit. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Which word is it? One. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in 
Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Catch this, because this is what my job is. To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth on the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I was talking with kids a little bit ago and, and about something that I think is, is over the course of my time in, in ministry and as, as, as a Christian before uh, going to seminary and all that stuff, but still this, this is something that, that I recognize and, and I believe in, even though sometimes it's a struggle for me. And it's a simple tenet, but it's but it's really important. And it's simply this, that what I do with others, what I give to others, is more important than what I do myself. What I give to others, what I do with others, is more important than what I do for myself. It's the Jesus model, if you don't recognize it. He spent time investing in those around him so that they could become who they were called to be. Now, certain churches where everything's revolved around the pastor, the problem, of course, is the pastors don't last forever. And what happens when they move or they leave the ministry or whatever happens in that church? So you have a lot of churches that do this based on the pastor, and then they dip when that when they go, and there's this roller coaster. I think a big part of that is that a lot of us, a lot of us pastor folks, forget that my job, you know what my job is? Did you catch that earlier? To equip folks for service. And when I forget that and I try to make it about what I want and who I am and all of those things, you know, that stuff that we've been saying for four weeks is not what we're supposed to do, then we get off track. When I remember that my job is simply to equip the body of Christ to do service, to be involved in our community, to be involved in inside the walls. It's not just outside, it's also in here. We support and take care of one another inside the walls and outside the walls. And that's my job. That's why you hear a lot, you know, every once in a while I get a complaint that, man, we talk about something other than mission. <laughs> no. No. We are to be missional. Make disciples of Jesus Christ and the transformation of the world. We don't transform the world. God does. But we're to be involved in one another's lives. At Sugarloaf, the, the, the pastor left and it crippled that church for a while. And that's not a healthy situation. And Paul's point to the Ephesians takes note of that. My job to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole nature of the fullness of Christ. To help folks move along the path that God has laid out before you and before me. I'm a part of this, by the way. I'm on a journey too. We're on a journey together. 
And it's a beautiful thing when, we're, when we do that and we join hands and that unity thing. And, and Paul uses one at seven times or nine times. He's making a huge point here. Stop the division stuff inside the walls of the church. There's going to be plenty of that outside. Agree on everything? No. But talk it through. Stay united as the body of Christ. And when we do that, when I'm able to remember my role, it takes the focus off of me as the preacher and puts it quite appropriately on everyone, on all people. See, we're like a team. We're a team with a mission. That's why we brought that back out. That's the mission. And this mission of ours takes us into the world of spiritual gifts. Each of us in here has gifts. You're gifted in a unique way. And it takes advantage of the fact that, that God was wise enough to not make us all the same. He gives us all different gifts so that we can join together and we can get more done. We can reach more people. Sports people, it's like this. We might play different positions at different times, but we're all called to use the gift for the same goal. Most of y'all have played sports, right? Can you play football if everybody's a quarterback? Probably wouldn't turn out very well. Do you play if everybody's alive? Probably wouldn't turn out very well. We need all the positions so that we can move forward. And Georgia could use a few votes of going down. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Dave. I didn't write that down. It just came. It's very difficult to achieve the kind of success that we want to, which is about reaching people for Christ, if we're relying on only the gifts of a pastor or just a few folks in ministry. We need you. We need you. You hear this from me a lot. This is absolutely the truth. We need you to participate with us if we're ever going to be the church that God wants us to be. You are not an extra part. You are an integral piece. Now, I've wanted folks to know Jesus really ever since I came to know him when I was 16. And I've tried to get uh, involved in a lot of different ways and how to witness. I've done the direct door-to-door thing where you knock on the door and they answer, and when they, when they answer, they don't always answer, you know. Um, they just like to talk to you about Jesus. You know Jesus. And I used to do that when I was younger. And I used to do it incorrectly. Nothing wrong with going door to door, by the way, sharing your faith. But I went in with an arrogant spirit because I knew your answer and I knew that you needed what I was going to tell you. And that was arrogance that I've since learned, thankfully, is not the pathway to actually engaging with people. It takes building a relationship. I was also within my own family. I confessed to you that. I was very grateful for my own father. You know, he wasn't active in church. He believed in God, but I was very critical of him. And I regret that. You know, not that I talked to him about my faith. I thought that, that that's fine. But the way I went about it was arrogant, and not not the way that I would like to have done it now that he's gone. Looking back, I would like to have approached him in humility to share who Jesus is with him to me. And see if that might have motivated him to 
engage a little bit more. And I've had to ask God for forgiveness for that. But I stand on 1 John 1 9. And I hope that you'll learn that scripture. It's one of the first that I put to memory. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've made a lot of mistakes in my Christian walk. As you have. We all have. But it's a beautiful thing that God meets us. It will come to Him in humility and we will confess that we have followed children. That He'll build us up in ways that are beyond our understanding and our capacity to know. Here's what I've learned. See, I used to think that my, when I was witnessing to people that my job was to make, get them to say yes to Jesus, right? You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yes. Woo! I have since discovered that it's not about accepting Jesus in the, for a moment. It's about accepting Jesus for a lifetime. And that is dramatically, dramatically different. It means that to take the time to invest in somebody instead of just trying to convince them. And that's the harder work of Christianity. How do we help one another to mature, to grow in our faith? Do we let one another into our lives at such a level that that can actually happen? Or do we just come to church on Sunday morning and we go home and we go a separate way? I pray that we move away from that style of church to something more. I hope that we don't do church as a checklist. You know what I mean? Oh, got up Sunday morning. I did church. Because I think Jesus is asking us to be the church. To be his hands and feet outside here. Inside here. And that's another dramatically different thing. And that's to take effort again and allow others to become a part of our lives. Sometimes we just need to grow up. Sometimes we just need to grow up. <laughs> the great news is that that's not a foreign thing to ask. Any of y'all have kids that have grown up? You know the process, right? You find out that you know, they're growing up and, and you're helping them to become an adult. So you see what they're good at, you encourage them over here, you challenge them over here. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do, is that same kind of thing. Because at some point, you're also hoping for something else, right? What's the last hope for your kids as they're growing up? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes in the church we forget that our job is to grow up and go, not to stay 
children our whole Christian life. But to become adults in our faith and involved, involved in ministry, wherever God calls us, wherever God calls So how does the church grow up? We become more like Jesus. More like Jesus. Did you know that Jesus prayed a lot? Jesus prayed a lot. We become more like him. We sink our, our roots deep in prayer. We invest in others. He invested in the disciples. His heart was for the least, the lost, the last among us. We involve ourselves in mission to help others. To grow up with Jesus. It's easy to lose sight of that, especially uh, as a pastor. It's easy for me to gravitate towards the negative or the naysayer or those who, who bring up, you know, well, this isn't right or that isn't right. And what I, I'm trying to get better at, and I think I'm getting better at, it, is to let those people be negative and move over here to the people who are in ministry, the people who are making a difference, and encourage them to continue to do so. I know that some of us are just going to be negative now. It's just the nature of, of people. People are always going to be people. And you don't throw them away, but you also don't spend the 80% of your time that you could trying to convince them something that they're not going to be convinced of. So rather than spend all of our energy there to be able to be, be with them, to be involved in a relationship, but move to people that are actually doing it, people who are living and making a difference, and you, can, you know who they are. You know who they are. Because the hope is that these folks over here that are, that are just seeing the negative will begin to see the positive and see what's going on in people's lives, and that will transform them and bring them along. Because they're necessary too as part of the body of Christ. All still means all. People I agree with and people that I don't. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all, in, all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbors, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Sometimes scripture just preaches. You hear the message? Put away your former way of life, your obsessions with sex and money. Be renewed, live faithfully, be holy. That is, to live differently from the world. Speak the truth in love in a way that shows your love for others. We should be easy to recognize as Christians because we're not like the rest of the world. Be honest. Don't steal. Work hard so that you'll have the resources to help others, not so that you build yourself up. Forgive. Forgive, 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 forgive. Because Christ has forgiven you. We who have been forgiven much should be the most forgiving of you. What a rich description of a new life in Christ. A reminder of our need for Him. The mission belongs to all of us. Every one of us. Participation in the mission where mission requires the gifts that you have and that I have. God is calling us to grow up. Grow up. Become more like Christ. Be strengthened. Be His body. Inside the walls. Outside the walls. We're being invited to leave an old life behind and all things become new. To be disciples of Jesus Christ. We're in a next faithful steps process as a church. And one of the things that came out uh, in a few weeks back when we met was this. It, this is called the marks of discipleship. And it's six aspects of what disciples do. And we'll get, I'll get this posted somewhere so that you'll, you'll see it. But it's logical stuff. So sometimes we get lost in, okay, so what does that mean to be a disciple? Well, here's what disciples do. Daily prayer. Disciples pray every day. May not pray for the same thing every day, but you're in prayer, you're in a relationship with God. Weekly worship. If you're in town, you're here. The body of Christ is us together. We need one another. You need me and I need you. Trust me. We need one another. Weekly worship. And that's Sunday, but it doesn't have to be here. We need worship is a lifestyle. You can worship wherever you are. You need to be in worship. Uh, uh, think about God. And when you see a, a, a anything that God creates, a sunrise or a sunset, just go, wow. Wow. You ever done that? Wow. Amazing. Weekly worship. 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 Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Too many of us put it on the shelf. The great gift of God for us to grow in understanding of who He is and, and what He's asking of us. Before is service. Serve. In and beyond the wall. Serve. Develop by, by the spiritual friendships. Relationships with one another that help us in our journey together. The last is giving. Be generous of time, talent, resources. And that includes money, but it's not limited to money. Be a giving person, a generous person. If we'll do those six things, individually and corporately, 
it will all change. It will all change. Six times that Jesus does. Let's grow up together. Some of y'all can grow up. I get it. Some of us know aren't. I get that too, as you well know. But let's grow up together to become who God has called us to be.